appreciate everybody tuning in appreciate everybody that's here i'm not here alone i'm, I'm with my pgm brother kb and also our special guest here uh tim cranges uh tim mba um anyway uh how, how's it going guys pretty good pretty good not bad at all yeah happy to be here thanks for having me uh i love the uh the Twitter spaces you guys do, I'll pop in and out when I have some time and happy to, to be here to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of this preseason kind of went by pretty quick if I'm being honest. And it's, it's kind of interesting how, how things go because for us, it's, we kind of do this thing where it's entertaining entertainment and it's just, uh, I, I, honestly, like even the spaces, it's like we try to go with trying to add some some facts and add some spice. And it's not a Powerpuff Girl, but it's but it should be entertaining at least. So, but anyway, um, other than that, I just wanted to say, um, and I just wanted to ask, just to, just go around, KB, what's on your purple and gold mind? Like, what's what what has been going on, man? Uh Preseason has been a uh, has been fun to watch the young ones uh, or the G leaguers grow and just watch them see what they need to develop on. Um, watch the whole entire preseason. It just makes me want. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tim can be on the same page as me, but it just makes me want to see opening night so bad. I'm ready for the games to count because uh, yeah, I just keep looking too much on the on the uh, on the Twitter slash X timeline. So it's been too many overreactions. Yeah, it's kind of crazy if I'm being honest. Like. I've seen I've I've been on the support of Jalen Huskafino and being like, hey, he's not that bad. But it's it's rough when you're when you're a Laker fan, it's it's this thing where there's a, a huge pool of people that just wants to go on narratives. But honestly, uh Tim just wanted to ask you, man, what's on your purple and gold minds? We kinda do this segment. It's just see how's how how's things are and uh Basically, just if you can talk a little bit about yourself, um, for the people that don't know, just just put a put a plug if you can. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for having me. I am enjoying the couple days before the first game of the year, but I'm very excited for that. Uh, preseason has been enjoyable. It's also a little. I mean, the whole thing's a grind for me because we'll do, you know stream the games on playback and then doing pods and doing extra video content and play of the day stuff. And, uh, I also track every play the team runs on offense. So let me see, 535 rows of info I've already collected, and it'll be about seven or 8,000 by the end of the season. Actually, I guess more than that now that I'm doing the preseason. But uh, we have a couple of days to just kind of take a step back and say, all right, how was it? Was it good? Was it bad? What didn't I like? What do I like? And, you know, everybody's in midseason form on Twitter already overreacting and you know, it's the end of the world because this guy didn't shoot well or that guy doesn't fit or I don't like his vibe. Or, I don't know. It's – I try to take a more uh, patient and nuanced approach and understanding that, you know, these are exhibition yeah. games. They're, they're out there trying stuff out. We'll talk about it. Some of it matters. Some of it, like, doesn't matter. And trying to parse that really where the, the value is because looking at the Lakers, what, they go two and four? Uh, I couldn't tell you which games they won or lost because they, they don't matter. But I could, you know, talk to you for six hours about all the cool things that they tried and did and what we know about the team now. So I don't know. That's that's maybe I'm a, maybe I come from a different perspective. I uh, I'm on 
Twitter is our Tim underscore NBA, Cranchus McBasketball. Um, like to approach the game from a scheme standpoint, from a data standpoint. I have backgrounds in both and run a consulting firm that's also, uh, we've got a public facing wing uh, called B-Ball Index where you can find some cool data on the NBA. We work with NBA teams, WNBA teams, college teams on the men's and women's side, international teams, um, consulting with agents and players. We've got some of that going on right now with contract extension talks. Um, so tr trying to, you know, use facts to help tell stories and learn more about the game. And there isn't, you know, sometimes people don't want to hear that, uh, but we're trying to do our best to, you know, make data kind of speak the language of basketball. And I, I try to combine those two things the best I can uh, with you know, our streams and podcasts and all that good stuff. You know that I actually wanted to ask you, and I don't have it in my rundown, but I just wanted to ask, like, how do you digest this game? Like, like in terms of like, like for, for a fan, it's like, I take, like, I'm watching each play. I'm enjoying what I'm watching, but like, bro, I'm not going to lie. Like how, how you, how you see the game or, or, or the point of view, like, is that you, or do you have a team be behind you? How, how does that even work? Like, like it's, it's because the data that you're pumping out, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's fire, but it's like, yo, like, <laughs> does he, does he pause for every second or is it like quick? Like, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, like from a fan to a, to a professional, like, do you view the game differently in, in that, in that point of view, or do you just replay it a whole bunch? Honestly, it's, it's hard not to see the game differently after like. Uh, Tim, are you there? I think we might have lost him. I think we might have lost him. We may just clip this section here. 825. All right. Uh, let's see if we can get Tim back. Anyways, um, while we get Tim back, KB, um, just curious, man. Now that the preseason is over, and honestly, I should be more excited. Again, I'm a bit nervous. It's my first time doing this uh, in a big minute. So let me just get excited about this. Laker basketball starts this week. Again, when this when this pod drops, it's probably game day. I'm not going to lie. I am excited. I am pumped. This is going to be epic. But the question that I have, uh, KB, is mm -hmm. like... What is like currently now? Now that the preseason is over, mm -hmm. what is your biggest takeaway? Like from the from just preseason, like what's what's the one thing that we can go back and be like, huh? This is actually the one thing that I can that it's gonna carry in the season, or you know, what's what's your what's your takeaway, buddy? Offensive rebounding that's gonna carry in the season, and the question is, can we fix it? And is that going to remain to be an issue throughout the season? Because if that is, that is probably going to be one of our biggest issues. Oh, we got Tim back. Yeah, my yes. bad. I crap out for a second. Man. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, and I mean, if you want to continue where you left off, that's perfectly fine, man. Okay, I'm. I'm not sure what you heard. Uh, do you want to just do the answer again, and then you can cut out the beginning? Or yeah, just just go. Uh, you literally just started the answer, and it really oh, cool. like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's hard not to see the game a little bit differently. Like basketball has gone more and more from being like 
just a fun passion where I'm a fan to like, I can't unsee certain things. And like when I'm watching the game, like, you know, yeah. I'm noticing who's making rotations. I'm looking at the, what play are they running? And does that play make any sense based on how the defense is playing? And uh, like, I, with my background, having run an analytics department at the college level, having coached, uh, having consulted with teams, designed playbooks, um, I certainly view the game from a little bit of a different lens. I, uh, with our b-ball index stuff, like we've got a whole team behind it and we've got some brilliant people that have done great work for us, gotten paid well, used the platform. And then uh, I'm proud of the pipeline of folks that we've had that have gone on to NBA teams, NFL teams, and Major League Baseball teams. So that certainly helps. Uh, but on the Lakers side with like tracking the, the play calls and all of that, that's all me. Um, I certainly use the resources available to me to rewatch games. Uh, you know, every now and then I have to rewatch something two or three times for a specific play, but it's usually live I'm watching to just kind of entertain, call things out on the playback stream and say, hey, this is what I would be doing to adjust. Uh, you know, try to give guys props for what they're doing. And then on the rewatch, it's very much like, okay, they were in five out, they ran this play, they got a post up, potential assist from D'Lo for a Christian Wood, you know, short mid-range shot that went in. And I'm just tracking the right information so that I can, you know, run all the numbers and make sure that, you know, it's, I trust my eyes. My eyes are well-trained. I've been in a scouting department, all that stuff, but trusting that I can, you know, accurately consolidate hundreds or thousands of plays and be able to be like, oh yeah, this is slightly better than that is where I really try to lean on, you know, knowing that I, I don't know everything or I can't digest everything at the same time. I think that's having that humility and being able to lean on resources that I trust, I think is such a key part to analyzing the game more accurately. That's actually, um, that's actually pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. Like to be able to analyze the game to that level and that extent. And also like, it helps us kind of like fans like me, you know, we, we we're learning every single day. Like, I think it was what, KB like a year ago that we kind of met up. Yes, sir. And, yes, and sir. it was yeah, and 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 even back then, like I knew what a pick and roll was. I kind of knew what hedge was. I kind of knew like I I, I I knew the terms, but to the depth, so it's like when when I kind of stumbled into Tim's account, I'm like, yo, and and by by the way, shout out to Sean Davis because he actually is the one that kind of kind of steered steered a lot of the fan base kind of that that way too, and. Honestly, I'm kind of like a newbie in in Twitter, or at least you know, in terms of basketball. And I'm like, yo, like, I'm not gonna lie, it's 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 a good learning process. And I was always curious about that. It's like, how does he crunch the numbers like that quick or that fast? It's like, yo, that's 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 great. Uh, but going going from from what KB said before before you came in. And now with that, let's segue to the preseason because, it, you know, it kind it kind of was short six games, and like you said, it's kind of like an exhibition game. But just curious, what's the biggest takeaway right now in your opinion? Like, what's what's the biggest surprise, or however you want to structure it? But what's what's the one thing that you're that you took from preseason? So I going into preseason felt pretty good that I knew like who the guy, you know, who the players were, their strengths and weaknesses. I was, you know, expecting a lot of what we've seen offensively, which has been a relief, but I think defensively is really where 
the team kind of had to prove out what I was hoping they would do because last year they, you know, they were a little bit more limited. They were in drop coverage a bunch or they were switching, but we didn't see any of that like hedging, none of that like more high school college style. Like we're going to put the, the big man who's defending the screener up at the level of the screen to make sure that you can't take that shot immediately. And then we're going to rotate behind it. Last season's roster didn't have the guys to rotate well. This year we do. And this year we went and grabbed a guy like Christian Wood, a guy like Jackson Hayes, who they're not going to be good in drop, but they are going to be good at like hedging and, and they rotate fairly well. So, and, and then another thing is this team from a screen navigation standpoint, if you're bad at that, it's really hard to be coverage. And D'Lo, Vincent, and like Vando, those are guys that aren't very good screen navigators. And so hedging also kind of mitigates that concern. So I was really, really hoping that we would see the team use some of those more mobile coverages and I was also hoping to see the team use like different things. I, w- I don't want us to only be able to throw one pitch. You want to be able to go into, especially for the playoffs, like you want to be able to do different things. Sometimes it's going to be, oh, switch is the way to defend this team. We want to drop against that team and then hedge against that team. Last playoffs, Denver was a team that was worst against hedging as an offense. And LA themselves well enough to try it. And this year we will have that pitch to throw, it looks like, because we saw in the preseason that the team did all three of those things. And I'm simplifying a little bit. You can get way more nuanced with each of them, but we saw switching, drop, and hedging. Uh, We saw them kind of do them in chunks. So like the first couple games, it was like, we're only playing drop. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care who we're playing. We are getting our reps in. We are going to drill this and we are going to, you know, work out those details. And sometimes they didn't look good because, again, Christian was not good at that. Jackson Hayes isn't great at that. Playing it against Steph Curry is not a good idea. Um, so there were moments of preseason where it was like, wow, this doesn't look very good. And your eyes weren't lying to you, but it's they weren't looking good at things that they're not going to be doing in the regular season. So seeing the team work in all of those coverages and kind of Jackson Hayes actually talked about at media day how the coaching staff told the team they were going to, on a game-to-game basis, switch up the defensive coverages based on the opponent. That was like music to my ears. That is exactly what like Tim, from a coaching standpoint, wants to hear. And it's good. It's great long-term. Short-term, understand that preseason looked worse than it really is because it wasn't really optimized. And then understand that early in the regular season, the defense is going to start slow. It is not going to be as easy to be good at three things uh, when, you know, maybe you play a dozen games and four games we're going to switch, four games we're going to drop, four games we're going to hedge. By the end of those dozen games, you've kind of worked on all three, but you're not going to be as refined as if you were only doing one thing for all 12 games. So I want to, you know, try to exercise patience with the defense early in the season, but this is really, really good news from a, like, championship aspiration standpoint, which is a maybe a super nuanced Tim thing to notice. Um, but I think could end up being a really big thing for this team this season. I know I, that's actually music to my ears. I mean, you just said championship, like that's, that's enough. Like ding, 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 like take me, take me to that. <laughs> but Agreed. yeah, no, that's Agreed. Yeah. And, and you actually said something and I think it segues to this part pretty well. It's, you know, I'll be honest, like the, the whole different coverages that like the, the, because that just adds versatility to the team. And that is 
music to my ears because like when you look at this roster when you look at each individual it's like there's a lot of versatility here um but i'm just curious because you just mentioned jackson hayes uh christian wood um and certain certain coverages and whatnot but i'm just curious which laker will step up this season uh let's start let's start with tim and then we'll go to kb but you know just curious yeah good question my pick would be and and i'll go to a guard for this i'm gonna say d'lo uh last year his time overall on the season was down like from an impact standpoint in the data he was worse than his norm and with the lakers he like couldn't hit a pull-up three to save his life which was very uncharacteristic for him i was expecting a bounce back he's already kind of shown that he can do that i trust that he's going to bounce back he was the 27 27th ranked uh point guard last season from an offensive impact standpoint according to our data at b-ball index he averaged ranking 12th the four years prior so if he can get back to his norm that's huge for him and it's huge for this team we're already seeing him command the offense really well he's leading the team and facilitating from the data i'm tracking 50 percent of the shots he's created for teammates have been open shots which is the best on the team and way above the norm um and like his defensive playmaking taking a jump will really help with his fit and like if the team is going to be hedging a lot more and a scheme like that requires more rotating that's something that really helps uh you know lean into his strengths on defense and lean away from his weakness of screen navigation on defense so i see him fitting what ellie wants to do really well i see him comfortable already and like for all the people who wanted to trade him he's like he's good at a lot of the things you would want and whoever you're getting back for him just let him be himself that tiny sample we saw last year was not really representative of who he can be and who he has been. And I think a bounce back year for him getting back to like top 12, top 15 offensive impact and really being like the point guard, the quarterback of this offense is going to be really, really big for this team. Tony, you're on mute. Whoops, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, KB, do do you have a rebuttal? Do you feel like that's true or not? Or like, um, just, just curious. What's what's your point of view, man? No rebuttal. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just take a shot in the dark. Um, Tim, I think you did mention him. I, I listened to your podcast. Um, if you guys don't, you guys definitely should. He is located on Spotify, so I would do so. Um, for myself, I you know I'm still riding for Cam Reddish. I still am. Always will. Um, he has been a journeyman, and it's just been unfortunate because he hasn't had a chance to shine. Um, I've seen uh, what he's capable of, but I do agree with what Tim's saying. I'm very, I'm looking very forward to what Delo's doing because I have not seen him be that aggressive on the defensive end and aggressive on the offensive end. So it's been really interesting to see him like apply himself and be aggressive um, on both ends of the court. Um, so I'm very excited to see what he's going to look like in the regular season. I mean, that's that's a good point um and and tim brought it says i didn't think it was Delo. if if i'm being honest i thought he was gonna say torian prince i thought he was gonna say i i don't know like like anthony davis just in terms of like oh power forward anthony davis which it's interesting um well i mean can't we all agree that when it comes down to it Delo does have the most to prove because of what happened in playoffs no well that's the point though because like if if you think about it and 
and I'll say this, like, if you look at the Denver series, it's kind of like D'Lo was just the one man out. He was like this guy that was just targeted. He couldn't, again, he was targeted on defense. He didn't make his shots on offense. I think what, what, what was it in that series, Lakers versus Denver, they made what, uh, like he averaged eight points or less, something like that. Like it's, if we get the deal that we're seeing in preseason and that kind of ekes out and kind of like falls into the full season and, and the playoffs, that would be, I mean, that's, that's just another element. I feel like when Delo is on like this, this offense is just crazy. Like it's just, it's, it's to another level. It's not as simple as like, Oh, you got to knock AD out. You got to knock out LeBron. It's like, it's, it adds a whole new dimension to it. So I kind of like, I kind of like Tim's, uh, the whole deal. Like that's if, if, if he can step up that, that'll be great. Um, but I'm curious though, because <laughs> you said, you said Cam Reddish. I have Cam Reddish out of the, I have Cam Reddish out of, out of the rotation. I don't know about you, KB. Do you have him out of the rotation? Because right now look, it's like, it, it doesn't look good, man. Like, yeah, it really doesn't yeah. look good. Uh, So look, look, I understand. And this is why I came down to it. I already, I gave Max the bump ahead of Reddish because they kept on saying it's the battle between the two. I gave Max the, you know, the go, not the go ahead, but I gave him the ump or the one toe over. You know what I mean? Max Reddish because of what, Max can uh, what, uh camera because of what Max can do, um, and plus I don't think he was being used the right way because he's not going to be playmaking. He's going to be doing more of a catch and shoot, um, defending, being like a POA, uh, you know, attack defender. Um, so yeah, I mean I don't think Cam Rush is going to get any minutes. It's just the point where we need him to slide in with the bid shooter if something does happen with like what we have going on with um, Vando. That kind of messes things up. So that's going to shift Max and Reddish into more important positions to play. So when injuries happen to the roster, that's when I kind of want to see if Cam Reddish can do so. But as of now, you're right. I don't see Cam Reddish even seeing the floor anytime during the regular season. It's just times like these when people get injured. It's like, can he step up when he's asked, you know, when, you know, when the call is for him? You know what? And, and, I, and credit to Cam Reddish because – his on the defensive side, I've seen a lot that I like, like a lot. You know, he 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 gets into the passing lanes. His you know his wingspan and just overall length and kind of like his lateral movement. I I kind of like what I seen from him. He's not he's not gonna lock up a, a, a wing defender or things like that. But he, I kind of see him like a pest. You see what I'm trying to say? Like like he he has that that versatility and i think if you put him like on guards on, on smaller guards i think he, he's just gonna create havoc um the thing about Cam reddish is just i haven't seen him click on offense like he has one of i i kind of like his his offensive package like he can self-create he can self-create his, his shot he can he's versatile enough where he actually is um like, if you need him, like, hey, give me a bucket right now, he'll do that. And if you compare that to Max Christie, 
Max is not there yet. You see what I'm trying to get at? Like Max, yep. Max is mm-hmm. not. Yeah, like because like Max, Max is is great. He has a, he actually has this this. When it comes to being the 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 POA or just being like, cash and shoot POA, nothing more, nothing less. I think he'll excel in that role. Um, but I'm just saying, like the ceiling for Cam Reddish was always high. Like I don't think that's a doubt. It's just can the Lakers extract that? But for but currently speaking, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's it's gonna happen. But, and I'm curious to to see here. Uh, we got Tim back. Tim, um, yo, don't worry about if if if, if the internet comes in and out. Wh- whatever, man. I, I've moved to a different spot in my house. It should be better now. It was working perfectly yeah. that we went on our honeymoon and we got back. And <laughs> in my office, is, now it's really spotty. So my, my Oh, bad. wait. Congrats, man. Yeah, Thank very you. much. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations, man. That's that's a big move, man. That's a big move. Hey, but congrats. Um, yo, so we are on the who is out of the rotation kind of segment here. And Ooh, my vote is on Ken Reddish. Mm. Um and KB's actually thinking. So what, what was your answer, KB? I think I we never got to it. I mean, you were we were comparing Max and Cam Reddish. But... Max and Cam Reddish, yes. Um, what I was saying was, I already gave. You know, I'm already willing to accept the fact that Max is going to get a lot more playing time and look looks before Cam Reddish is. I just thought with Vando being out and we don't know when he's going to be back because he's day to day. But um, I'm pretty sure Tim has more information on this, but. From a fan's perspective and from all we know, all we got last year or the years before was there are players that are day-to-day, and they end up being out for multiple weeks. So when it comes down to Cam Reddish, I was just thinking since Vando is down, other players would get shifted to get more minutes on the court. Now let's say if Max isn't producing, then that's going to be A, so Cam Reddish, what can you give us? So that's my hope, but as of now, I definitely want to make sure I see um, Max Reddish get his play. So it's max for me. I agree. So who's who, who's out of the rotation, Tim? It's gonna be oh yeah, it's gonna be reddish for me. My bad. It, it it's gonna be my my answer is gonna be reddish. Uh, I think he really missed out on an opportunity by being hurt earlier in preseason. That was kind of his chance to show the team what he could do. In I mean. Uh, more more of a sample with real lineups. He was thrown out there, and a lot of guys were thrown out there in some of these deeper bench groups that just were kind of dead on arrival. Like, there, there wasn't really any good that you were going to get from them offensively. I'm not really moved by seeing Cam Reddish, like, run ball screens or, or play iso ball. Like, the job that he and Christie will play is, like, off-ball, spot-up shooter, occasional ball screen, occasional handoff, like, some off-screen stuff. And Christie is a more reliable three-point shooter from my perspective. And Christie, I, I like his – I mean, they're de- I think you can make a case for either of them defensively, but if you split out what Max Christie did this preseason between in lineups where he's doing kind of what he should be doing and then in lineups where he was asked to be like a pick-and-roll guy on high, like high volume, he was certainly better at – one of those areas than the other and it's the area that should translate to the actual rotation and and lineup so i see max playing that backup shooting guard role maybe give him like 10-ish minutes per game because i think 
honestly, like D'Lo, Reeves, and Vincent are going to take up most of the 96 minutes at point guard and shooting guard. But Reddish, for me, is one of those first guys out. And I think with Hayes emerging and with Vando apparently likely back soon, I haven't asked around to try to get any inside info. I know like none last season was supposedly like day to day, but like his knee was like destroyed. Um, I don't believe that's this is one of those situations. Um, so if he's back soon, I think that kind of closes a door. I hope Reddish can play well. Like it'd be good if he's playing well enough that he's pressing Max or someone else for minutes, but knowing what we know about each of the guys, if I'm separating like what I hope will happen and what I think will happen, I would assume Reddish is, is out of the regular, like healthy rotation. So that's interesting. Um, and I think, it, I think we all in our, we are all in agreement, but I'm curious. What about when it comes to the defensive end? Because I, I personally like what I saw from Cam Reddish on the, on the defensive end. I'm not sure if you agree on that. Like, and I'm not comparing it with Max. I'm just saying like, I was happy to see some of the things like he would get into the passing lanes. He would get into like, because he's so lengthy and kind of like, again, he's, he's kind of like a big wing. So I kind of like that part of it. I'm not sure if, if you agree on it or you saw something differently in the defensive end, but at least I, I, I kind of like it. Do you agree on that or no? I do. So yeah. I like, yeah, I like it. So I'd say there are things he's good at defensively. There are things he's not as good at. Like his on-ball defense is is good. And that's something that I think it's easy to, when you're watching, like that stands out. And that matters. It's it's not that it doesn't matter, but it's also something that like it's one area of defense and there are other areas that he's not as good at. Like his rotating off-ball is a weaker area for him. Um, his like screen navigation is a weaker area for him. He is a pretty good like defensive playmaker. He picks pockets, he jumps passing lanes. And those are areas that Max didn't do much of last season. But I think it's some of the like littler things that are still meaningful where Reddish has room to grow. And like, especially the off ball defense is something that watching live, like it's something that I don't, I really have to be paying attention to try to notice that naturally your eyes go towards the ball and the actions, but how well he's rotating, how well he's sticking with his guy, stuff like that. I think he has room for growth with, and it's the type of stuff that like improved technique, improved awareness. You you can get better. It's not that he doesn't have the physical tools to do it. It's just one of those cases where like year after year, there are things he's pretty good at yet. His defensive impact is consistently poor. And I don't know that that should signal that there's more going on than, maybe some of those like highlights and some of his strengths would, would tell you. So I think both guys have room for growth and Christie's fit as like a shooter is more like, I trust that more than Reddish at this point, And that's why I would lean his direction. But I think you can make a case that, that uh, Reddish is like a more impactful defensive player can be a more impactful defensive player with like the defensive playmaking he brings. Gotcha. I see. Again, it's it's from a fan perspective, it's, it's very hard to kind of see the off-ball movement. That's why I, I, I kind of tip my half. I really do tip my half off because, like, to just be aware of, basically, it's it's kind of like you need, like, 10 pair of eyes <laughs> to see, like, it's it's kind of like not not only on ball, but also, like, back, like it's it's interesting. Um, now, that, that being said, 
I did have a question. Is it possible to run Torian Prince at two, or is that not? Was that never done in the in the preseason? It can be, and it ha- it was done in the preseason. If you look at what print what position Prince guarded most often the past two full seasons, it was shooting guard. Like he was used as a chaser defender. If we look at our B ball index defensive roles, that's what he's been used in, and he's been like okay at it, not great, not horrific. Uh, about average, around average for a chaser. He can do that. Offensively, he certainly fits the profile of what you'd want out of that position. So he, he would work there. As a three, he is undersized. I think I, I was looking at it yesterday. He'd be like 15th percentile or so from a height standpoint among mm. small forwards last season that played a 1,000 or more minutes. So you lose something there with his size. Uh, I, in watching the film on him, his like – box out tendencies his defensive rebounding tendencies need some work it's another thing that can be improved upon but he thus far hasn't been great at it so you lose some value there so there are definitely things to poke at with prince's defense that could make someone want to start someone else a a different player but offensively prince like fits like a glove with what they want to do and is shooting the hell out of the ball so uh, I, I can definitely see him playing some of those backup two minutes if Christie isn't performing and the team doesn't think reddish can do it or yeah. someone's hurt, and then you like. I would rather have Prince in the backcourt than JHS joining the backcourt. I think in terms of like oh. who's ready right now to play and contribute. Oh, come on, from a from a JHS fan, and by and by the way, I'm not a fan. I'm just like, again, he's a project. Like people kind of like in Twitter just go. I'm a fan. Uh, hey, we got a fan. Hey, I'm kid. a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. He needs time. He needs time. He, I feel like even, even the yeah. biggest fans would tell you he wasn't drafted because he was good. Like he was, he was a, in all our data, he was an average big 10 rotation player on both ends of the court. Looking at the film, there's some clear holes. The shooting is a question mark. His point of attack defense is spotty. There are things that he needs to be better at, but he was drafted because he, because of his traits, because of the upside, because of the potential and that's okay because this is a super deep team and you have other guys that can step up step up if someone's injured and so like i don't think evaluating jhs as a draft pick right now is fair because the intent of the team was for him to be ready in a season or two same thing with them drafting max christie last year they said this is a guy who's going to be a lottery pick in a year we're going to grab him now we don't need him to be ready this year if he can great if not perfect that's on our timeline and like now year two, this is when they expect something of him. So I, I think I was it. I forget which space I was in. They were debating like Scotty Pippen and JHS. But like oh, right now, wow. JHS, he's not ready. <laughs> when you look at like mm-hmm. the shots he's created for teammates in preseason, they were yep. less open than when guys were self-creating their own shots. That is not good. Like that is right. he was playing point guard a bunch of those deep bench units and it, it wasn't working and he needs time and that's OK. And so I guess that's my positioning on him. If you want somebody this season, if he can do it, shout out to him because he's really grown. But I would expect it to be more coming from a Christie or a Reddish or a Torian Prince. So gotcha. don't you so don't you consider that that position then is kind of weak? I mean, when you when you look at the depth chart, we got D'Lo. What? Oh, well, timeout. Sorry, my, my bad. I forgot that LeBron James can also do some points. Though he's off ball, we disrespectful. It, I, I'm I'm being disrespectful. I'm by, by the way, Tim. I'm known to be a, Le, a LeBron hater. It seems so. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
Yes, but my my bad, my bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, just wanted to ask you, man. Um, it, as an X's and O's coach, kind of like if you were the head coach, and, th- and this is a you question because honestly, I don't know how to even answer it. But just curious, Tim, would you, what? plays would you run like what's something that the lakers haven't done that you would want them to do or have they just oh, checked man. all the boxes if if that good question sense. yeah so i a couple weeks ago before preseason i answered this question on my own podcast i don't know if it was a, a stream or just a pod or a bonus pod i forget what it was but i think it was on a stream and i literally like pulled up our digital whiteboard that we use on on the streams on the Lakers watch party playback streams. And I drew up like, Hey, this is the type of stuff I would want. I would love to see more five out. I would love to see more dribble handoff offense. I'd love to see more off screen stuff. I would love to see pick and roll plays where we then have that Spain or stack action where you got a shooter under the rim running up to the top of the key or using exit screens where they run out to the corners. I drew up a bunch of stuff. And then the Lakers through six preseason games pretty much did all of what I was asking for. So I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm very happy, and I yeah. am not usually this happy. Uh, I've been analyzing the team for the Byron Scott years, the Luke Walton years, the Frank Vogel years. That shit stunk uh, offensively. I was in hell from a like X's and O standpoint for a while. Uh, There's no way I could be logging every play and, and like diagramming that stuff because it was awful. But now they've gotten to a point where they're like actually running like some really really good stuff from a design standpoint in terms of fitting the personnel to an alignment or like a formation like this is a really good roster for five out and running the specific actions and plays they're running really fits this roster and even the play calling they've done a really good job like if it works we're going to keep calling the same play they, they've done that repeatedly and like remember that game uh i think it was brooklyn delo hit like a bunch of pull-up threes they're running double track over and over again that was a series of plays that last season even with delo not shooting well from three when he was the point guard running those plays where they have two ball screens in a row guys in the corners the Lakers were scoring like 1.66 points per possession which is like stupid good um stuff like that for him is great uh so I can <laughs> I might if, if you want to hear more about X's and O's I guess come on over to my podcast or check out the streams and yes. I'll draw stuff for you yes um, please do so <laughs> and and I'm doing uh we've been doing these play of the day uh videos and we have a little bit of a backlog so we're going to get some more videos up soon but literally us pulling clips showing a diagram explaining here's what they're doing here's how they do it why they do it here's why it works here's when it doesn't work if you want to learn more about the lakers playbook and x's and o's come on over the team has run 82 set plays through six preseason games like 82 different plays and uh i would say that so far they're doing what i want them to do and tying back to the last discussion point they are doing a lot more dribble handoff offense run through the bigs as a way to I mean, I think it's really good mid clock and late clock. If if the play didn't work, throw it to a big man. We're going to turn it into a dribble handoff or pick and roll or whatever. But also, if you have like LeBron hurt or D'Lo hurt, from a playmaking ball handling standpoint with this team, you trust LeBron, D'Lo, and Reeves, and like that's it. Like Vincent can do some of it, but he's not the same caliber of guy. Christie's not ready for that. You don't want to have to play JHS. Prince isn't going to do that. He's a great ball mover, but not like a on ball pick and roll guy. So running an offense that leverages the passing of an Anthony Davis, of a Christian Wood. Hell, even Jackson Hayes has done a pretty good job with it so far. 
and using them as trigger men and passers has been a really good workaround that kind of builds in a buffer just in case one of those lead guards goes down due to injury. So that mm-hmm. is a weakness of the roster, but they've built the scheme in a way that kind of makes sure it won't matter as much. And that was another one of the things that I wanted to, to have the team do before preseason. And so far, they've really blown me away with what they've done. Wow. Um, damn. I'll, I'll be honest. If you guys want X's and O's, yes, go to Tim's. <laughs> go to, uh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's on playback, the Lakers exceptionalism. And yeah, so and uh, Lakers well. watch party. Yeah. So well, yeah. playback.tv slash Lakers watch party. We do every game. Uh, we'll do streams during the week. I'll do film reviews, uh, all sorts of stuff there. Lakers exceptionalism on YouTube. And that's the name of the post as well. We're on Spotify, Apple, like wherever you find your podcast, we should be there. Um, we're doing like one a week for those. Or if you want 10 a month instead of four a month, we have a, a discord with a great community um people like sean davis who, who you mentioned earlier he's in there he's paying at the tier where he gets access to that uh dashboard and in tracker documents so i see him tweeting stuff out about the lakers x's and o's uh he's he's doing great work you know creating content off of some of that tracking i've done um so if you want to just learn the game talk to other people who like that sort of stuff there's a, a great community there and you can get access to like weekly film reviews and 10 pods a month instead of four and all sorts of different things but Damn. check out my my twitter it's got all the info um, I'll start. I'll stop trying to sell stuff. <laughs> no, no, it's, bro. Like it, the the one thing I do like about the Laker community, it, like in general, we all try to lift each other up to a certain point. Like we 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 engage with each other, and it's just it's huge. This Laker community is huge. Like the other day, I kind of found like a Laker community that was just all in Spanish. And I was like, yo, wow. whoa, okay, interesting. Like literally, I I think I saw us. Spanish version of Sean. Like, do you know how rare that is? But anyway, I digress. <laughs> not... No, anyway. you should, like, for real though, like, we've got cap experts, X's and O's experts. We got people who are like, this is the footwork breakdown, like, all sorts of different things. Uh, yeah. Ranging from, like, super nerdy with the numbers to, like, you know, very much more, like, talking about the, like, the vibes of the team and, you know, going through uh you know scandals type stuff and everything in between it's it's such a great community and uh you know it's always always good to interact with the different groups yeah and everyone has a different perspective which is nice everybody has a different perspective if zen was here he, he would say that ken reddish should go back to puerto rican basketball um he probably said some probably outlandish things about ken reddish he doesn't like him um and uh yeah we we try to balance things out in in, in pgm but honestly like if if there was something about the cap that I would talk about, you uh, this podcast would probably be three hours. Like that's that's how nerdy I am with when it comes to the cap and the business side of, of it. But yeah, it's it's great to have the the diversity. It really is, and I really haven't seen a fan base like that. You know, not Boston, not just saying. <laughs> but but anyway, uh-huh. um, <laughs> KB man. Uh, you're also a coach, KB. Do you have any any plays that you would like to see them? Um, anything you agree? Any, any anything you want to add to, to this, man? I think the horns action. There. I mean, most of my teams since we're pretty small and we're not really that athletic, um, we kind of do a lot of uh, we borrow plays from the Dubs playbook. So it's kind of interesting to see what Tim and them are going to break down. 
when it comes to the Lakers because I have seen the Rams action, which is pretty interesting. But I didn't know it was going to be as not complex, but we just ran, they ran the same thing over. And if they didn't do it, they just did it on the opposite side with another player. Because um, I think, Tim, uh, they did it with Austin Reeves where they just kept on doing it either on the left side and then they switched it to the right side to where they kept going underneath the screen to where they're not even, you know, trying to contest Austin Reeves. They're just like, shoot it. Like he can't shoot. So I kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting to see what the Lakers are going to run this year uh, based on the roster we have, because I didn't know Terry, uh, Torian Prince can shoot like that off a clip just that quick and how it can attack closeouts. It's interesting. Yeah, dude, he's he's been like one of the premier off-screen three-point shooters in the NBA over the past couple seasons. Like looking at his shooting percentage on those plays, it's like at or above 40% like every season for the past like five or six years. He's really good at that. And then another big difference between like him and Malik Beasley is if he catches the ball pin down or something and the shot isn't there, but the drive is there, like he can actually attack a closeout, get to the rim, finish at the rim, shoot the floater. And he's a much better passer as well. So just being able to like extend an advantage and finish off of an advantage more so than just like we ran the play. If the three wasn't there, now we have to like reset and try to try something else. Um, it's just a big, big difference and really helps the flow of the offense and is another thing that, that Prince brings to the table. Right. And just like just seeing like what this team can do and just how we just this roster, man, it, it gets me excited. So I don't really like I said. Preseason might have upset me if I was an actual, like, you know, just everything mattered. But just seeing how well this team can be at its best, I and they're not even playing 100%, that's just what it makes me more interested. So, yeah, that's where I'm at, Tony. It just – it's going to be really interesting with this team. Yeah, it's – it is pretty – it's going to be very interesting. Like, I feel like this is the first offseason in a long time that I have kind of like the same excitement as 2020 going in. And it's a different, it's, it's different, but let me explain myself. It's like, like the high that we got all these players, like the high that like, whoa, this is, we got a squad here. We got something here. Like, I don't know, just a very different off season from last year. Like, I feel like, a, like a new person, like almost to the point that I think I can grow hair, but yeah, I'm just saying like, it's, it's great to see. And hopefully it can translate to the season, but going into that uh, a little bit later, just wanted to ask what's, so this one, this one is a bit interesting um, because if you, if you think about it, the coaching staff, like, I don't know, Tim, you, you've, you've seen in, in, uh, in Twitter, you've seen other, other, other media outlets. It's like either Darwin Ham doesn't adjust. He doesn't make a play. He doesn't do this. It's how, how, what's his name calling that they do uh, coach pockets, yep. something to that sense. Do you think there's more to this coaching staff than in let's on? Or have they just improved drastically since their inception? I think there's a couple parts to it. I would say my assessment of the coaching staff early last season was that, like, from a defensive scheme standpoint, they were not doing much that was nuanced. 
they were running two different types of drop coverage and they were switching and like that was it. And it wasn't what I was hoping to see. We saw Darvin Ham when he was in charge of the Bucks defensive scheme over the past couple seasons prior to him joining the Lakers. They were super versatile. They ran a bunch of different stuff. And I think that, that it looks like we're going to see that this year. But last year we weren't seeing that. So that was disappointing. We certainly saw a lot of like rookie head coach, like game management mistakes with like timeouts and rotations and things like that, that he learned from and got better from. We also saw with the offensive scheme, some like good plays, some well-designed plays, but they ran a lot of stuff early in the year that didn't fit the team. They ran a lot of that like double drag, two ball screens in a row for Russell Westbrook. And that's a type of play that works really well for a D-low or somebody who can draw the defense up to them because of the threat of their three-point shooting. For Russ, it doesn't it doesn't really work. And it didn't work. And they were scoring like their offensive rating was like 80-something when he ran those plays, which is not good. Yet it was still one of their most used things for him and, and for that portion of the season. So I was not happy with that. The rate at which they were even running plays was pretty low. Like when you play basketball, if you're running like a set play where everybody knows where everybody should be and the playmaker, you know, they're able to make reads more easily. You're putting guys in roles that match their skill sets. The rollers are rolling. The passers passing. The shooters are in shooter spots. That's a better way to operate than just like freelancing. You know, we're going to just kind of play pickup basketball. Ellie was playing a lot of pickup basketball early last season. And I think at that point in time, it was not wrong to say that that coaching staff was like below average. And like, if you were ranking them, I'd put them in like the mid twenties, low twenties. And I don't think that was wrong, but then things got better. Then they, you know, he learned from the mistakes. He got better with the time management. He got better with the rotations. They, uh, from an offensive scheme standpoint, started running better plays that fit the personnel better. And they were running more plays more frequently and it just got better and better and better. And then they made it, uh, you know, those trades and improved the roster. And you got to see what the better process along with the better roster looked like. And we saw how good that team could be. And they really peaked and finished the end, you know, the end of the regular season into the playoffs at a much different level than they were at for most of the year. So if you're ranking like how good was Darvin Ham and his staff last season and you're like, oh, they were around average, like, OK, I, I think that's fair because they finished the season really hot. But for a lot of the year, they, they weren't all that good. What I've noticed in preseason is instead of kind of reverting back to, you know, starting from scratch, they've built upon that really strong form from last year. And I would argue that that form at the end of last season was like top 10 coaching staff in the NBA. And they're continuing to, from an offensive scheme standpoint, run stuff at a high frequency that's high caliber that fits the personnel. Defensively, they're building in all that I would want to see. And I would expect that like the game management stuff will continue to be good now that they've learned their lessons. So we might see a big jump in like last year to this year and how good the coaching staff is, but it shouldn't be new. It shouldn't be a surprise. But if you formed an opinion on them the first couple months of the season and have like dug into that, you're out of date, like you're falling behind. And on the adjustments piece, I think certainly part of it is like, this is a lot of times it's like super nuanced stuff that like, KB and I, like, you know, coaching, you, you kind of get into those weeds, but for a lot of people, it's not really part of the entertainment experience and they're not, you know, wasting a bunch of time, like going no, through coaching yeah. clinics and, you know, yep. diagramming plays and all that stuff. So I totally understand just being a fan and, and not even noticing that. Or if, if something works, it's because we adjusted. If something didn't work, it's because we didn't adjust. That's not really how it always goes. And so like I'm seeing adjustments and 
I do my best to point them out on my podcast and on Twitter and on the streams. And a lot of times going into the playoffs, game to game, I would say, okay, this is what this team is doing. Here's how I would adjust. And then like, they would literally do it the next game. And they were, you know, I was able to be pretty in sync with them. And that gave me confidence in like what they were seeing. They were seeing the same things and they were making those adjustments. So if you're following along with that journey, you'll notice those Um I'm going to try to do more this year and we're going to be doing an adjustment of the week video in the regular season to try to really illustrate what that looks like, because it's one thing for me to tweet out and say, Oh, great adjustment by Darvin Ham doing, you know, X, Y, and Z thing with terms. Most people haven't heard of. It's another thing to like literally show it on video and highlight what they were doing and what the defense did and how they adjusted. So keep an eye out for that. They've already done a pretty good job with that in preseason. Like we've seen teams, defend double drag certain ways that hurt LA in the playoffs. They've already shown and flexed counters to those. We've seen teams like try to run different scheme coverages and they've used like Ram action or different things to force teams into drop or force teams to do certain things that they don't want to do. So the adjustments have already begun, even though these are exhibition games. And I would tell people that like, I don't know, go, go, you know, keep an eye on what Sean Davis is, is saying, keep an eye out. Like, what KB saying, what I'm saying, what other people who have like, you know, <laughs> they're degenerates who have wasted a bunch of time in their lives learning this stuff, you know, let us try, you know, ask questions, try to learn if you can. Uh, but, you know, there's a chess match going on. And if you don't know what to look for, it's really easy to miss, but it's a lot of fun to follow. If you can take the time to learn a little bit more about it. 1000%. Yeah. So it's chess, not checkers, man. So that's what happens in basketball. So, most definitely excited, but uh, Tony, well, it's good. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. I think the whole like, I think it's trauma. Like, if I'm being totally honest, like from a fan perspective, from from a pure fan perspective, is trauma, and it's all because like I feel, I feel that Denver series was was brutal. Like, as a mm-hmm. as a Laker fan, like it was brutal because we can, we all like I screamed, and I think what well, at the time we were all in playback. Uh, in 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 purple and in, P- in PGM fan cave, and we were like, "Yo, please sub out D'Lo. It's not working. It's not working. Why is he starting? Like, it, it was it was to the point where we kind of felt like that t- that series kind of cemented in a lot of minds of 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 Laker fans. Like, oh, we have a coaching problem. Oh, we have a a what's it called a a a coach that just is a player's coach he'll do what the players want but he won't do like it'll take like it, some weird narratives and that's and that's kind of like why i wanted to and, and and i appreciate the take and i appreciate the the information as well because like that says a lot like because sometimes as a as a fan we don't i'll be honest like and, and and don't take and I hope as coaches you don't take it as a disrespect. What I'm, what I'm gonna say, but we just want the results. It's, it's just yep. that simple. sounds like a fan. Yeah, it, it sounds like a fan. But yeah, that's the thing. Like like yeah. it sounds like a fan. And and yep. and I am yep. a fan. But hey, at the end of the day, like yo, if you're starting Austin Reeves at the five, then fuck, mm-hmm. we better win. you know we all know it's it's horrible but i'm just saying like at the end of the day we just want the results Mm -hmm. yep and that drives a lot of the perception of coaches and i would say that like 
I thought the coaching staff did a pretty good job through the first couple rounds against Denver. They didn't. And that was really the first round where, you know, I did my research. I said, Hey, here's how I would defend Jokic, the Murray ball screens, all this different stuff. And they didn't do, it took them like way longer to find the answers to stuff than I thought it should have given that like, you know, Jamal Murray ball screens, there was like one small weakness in them that a couple teams figured out. And uh, it was like a weird quirky thing with his pull-up three-point shooting, which overall was very good. But if you pushed him to his offhand and you went under screens, he wasn't taking open pull-up threes. So you were able to essentially negate ball screens. LA took way too long to figure that out. And then they did start to do it and it helped a little bit, but things like that or defending uh, Jokic in the post, like there was a pretty clear route that worked better than several others. And it took them like games to find it. And that was really frustrating for me. It's like, I'm putting in the work. I'm a one-man army over here. I'm looking at the film and I'm tracking stuff and I can see what's working. Why aren't you seeing what's working? And that was really the first round that was really frustrating for me because they had otherwise, other than that, they had been really, really solid. Um, So I don't think, you know, sometimes they did a great job. They did all they could and the results weren't there. But other times the results weren't there because they didn't do all they could. And it wasn't only their fault. Like the Lakers shot making stunk. They lost those four games by combined like 28 points or 27 points. And if you look at the expected scoring versus the actual scoring for the Lakers based on the shot quality that they generated, the differential was about like 27 points. So they basically played Denver even, but just couldn't hit shots. And, you know, that was, that was just such a frustrating series, man. But I don't know. Another thing too is like coaches don't like to criticize other coaches and it's a very like taboo thing to do. So a lot of the people who do know what they're talking about won't say anything. And Mm. you'll see a lot of coaching Twitter is just like, Oh, here's a play, but not, Oh, this play's good. This play isn't good. Here's why it's good. Here's why it's bad. Like, and so if you're trying to learn, you have to do a lot of that on your own. And unless you're following people like me who don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I've got the fake name. I'm out here trying to tell you how it is. And I'm not saying, oh, this guy's a bad person. Here's what he did. But like, hey, I, I don't think this was the best approach. Here's what they could have done instead. Here, you know, I'll show my work and, you know, let, let it be what it is. It's it's this thing where it's like, if you're going to say something, say say the answer, like, say the answer that was correct or the mm-hmm. Or, yeah, the, or, just, or, hey, or, bring, or bring the solution. It's like, oh, that was yeah. bad. Like, no, no, no. Right. You, you, come on, you gotta, you gotta bring something to the table. It's like, if that wasn't the play, what was the play? Like, and exactly. I think that's that's a fair, that's fair. That's totally yep. fair. That's that. And that most makes people so don't sense. do that. And most people don't do that. And that's why coaching staffs, when you hear them respond to like fan criticism, they're like, they don't know what they're talking about, or like, they they rightfully shouldn't be looking at that stuff because ninety nine point nine percent of people aren't even presenting a solution, let alone having done any research to like make that a meaningful suggestion. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's a tricky space, but uh, one that I think the Lakers are a better position than most teams in heading into this next season. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just curious, do you know offhand, like who, like, because Darwin, here's, here's the weird thing. And again, the fan in me was like, yo, Darwin Hams is a defensive coach, but the more, the more I'm I'm going through this 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 pod with you, it's like I'm I'm leaning more like, yo, is it is it the staff that's just doing this, or is it him, or or in terms of like adding more to the offensive re- re- repertoire? Because like Frank Vogel was known for to be like the defensive coach, but mm-hmm. 
it's what category would you put Dar- Darvin Ham as a defensive coach? As just a good coach? Like, you, you know, I'm he's just... more of a defensive coach. He's the defensive guy. That's his expertise. Uh, The guy who on the coaching staff who is really running the offense is his name is Chris Gent. He is the tall, white, bald guy. Um, Right. Is he the shooting coach? uh, He yeah. He also has been a shooting coach in the past, and I believe is you know working with several players on that. But he's someone that uh, at the college level at Ohio State at the I guess it was the D League at that point with the Bakersfield Jam, who doesn't they don't exist anymore. Um, and then with the Atlanta Hawks, he was the one orchestrating those offenses. And mm. I actually did a podcast like when he was first brought on to staff. And I was like, hey, I watched film on all these teams. Here's what I would expect from a, a Chris Gent offense. And I listened to that a couple months ago. And it was like pretty much what we saw. So I feel pretty confident saying that he's the one designing things. And I don't I couldn't tell you. I, I see at times he's the one helping with the play calls. I don't know if Ham is fully in charge of that or if Jen's like, hey, run double draft. Um, or Got if he's it. just helping him in the prep meetings before the games. But he is the one who's more responsible for that end of things. And, man, like with football, you know exactly who does what. They've got different titles. There's an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. And it's easy to hold guys responsible. With basketball, so many staffs, like even if they do have like leads for different areas, they'll – just say, well, everybody does everything and we don't have coordinators and all that. And it's really difficult to gauge like who's actually doing stuff. Like that's how you end up hiring Luke Walton from the Warriors and him having absolutely nothing to do with any of their X's and O's <laughs> and like him not being who you want him to be is because there's so much like smoke and mirrors around who actually does anything. Uh, but yeah, Chris, Chris Jens, that guy. Yeah, I could, I could, I could sense the, 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 the pain when you said Luke Walton, like, it was so bad dude it was was dark it was dark times i'm I'm not gonna lie it was it was dark it was pretty dark those 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 days um Mm -hmm. uh all right so knowing that um this is so this is a different like as as soon as we improved as soon as as this roster improved in 2020 and so on and so forth and then we had this weird Westbrook era and then now now that we're here yo like I'm not gonna lie like I think we improved but everybody's like in lockstep it seems like everybody's kind of like oh oh we're gonna improve as well so I'm just curious and let's start with KB on, on, on this one what's the biggest threat in the West for the Lakers and I know the question is kind of weird but where, where do you have the Lakers, I guess, in in the, in the West? Uh, biggest threat. Um, I'm still putting uh, the Nuggets up there. They won the chip. Um, they are the independent champs. Um, also, with the Suns, I have done my fair share, and Tim will probably laugh at this, Tony, you as well. I've done my fair share of clowning the Suns, okay? I said they don't have a bench. I said they're not that good. That's me coming from a fan's perspective. Now, from a coach's perspective, or somebody who's watching the game, the Suns are a really good team. And the fact that they were able to do what they did without Booker and Beal, that is that, that definitely def- makes me think twice about them. But I also do think with the Lakers being fully equipped, it, it will be one hell of a series. Um, so I think I put the Lakers at their, like, probably five, fifth in the West. I got two other teams, uh, four other teams before them. I just can't really name them as of right now. I got the two first two I have for sure is the Suns 
and the Nuggets. Um, I wanted to put the Kings up there, but I'm still iffy on them. And then also, um, I'm not sleeping on the Dubs. I'm just not. Um, every single time I do, they always surprise me. So, um, yeah. So I guess that would be the four I have before the Lakers. But uh, I would love to be wrong. Yeah, and um, th- this is this was record like this pod was recorded uh, after the news last Sunday. Um, after the news of of Steve Adams getting uh, season-ending surgery, which it's not something that you want to hear. To, to 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 be honest and hopefully he makes a speedy recovery but that is a blow for Memphis that is uh that is not ideal so taking that into account i i kind of i kind of agree with you in terms of just the offensive firepower that the suns have um there is something that Sean has been saying this for the longest time or at least uh, i could pull up tweets but and i'm not saying that he's wrong but I'm saying there's always a first time, <laughs> and the Suns is the Suns defense like it has to be what minimum 15 in the league. So if they can get there, and with the offensive firepower that they have, I think they are the biggest threat. And again, I'm not disrespecting Denver. Denver still has probably the best player in the world in Jokic. Yeah, again, I feel like those two are are the favorites currently um at least in, in, in my in my book again the lakers are right there but they are the biggest threat um i i, I do agree on that um it's sad to see what happens in memphis the kings actually i think they're going to be a great uh regular season team to, to be fair like it just depends on the sasha develop to what they want to be or not even develop does he show up what he was in in euroleague I don't know, but other than that is, I yeah I think it's it's Denver and Suns and Lakers. Like I feel like it's those three teams. But um, Tim, what's what's your what's your gauge on this? Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar state of mind. I am most worried about the Suns, and I understand that for a lot of people they haven't like seen it, so they don't want to believe it until that point. But I look at this roster, I look at this coaching staff. And I see a lot of elite isolation scoring options. I see what should be an elite pick and roll offense. I see, even though Nurkic is like AD food, uh, he gives them a nice playmaking threat from the big man spot that should help their lack of true point guard play. I look at how this coaching staff was assembled. And with Frank Vogel, he's not perfect on defense, but he's one of the best like defensive minds in the NBA right now. And a big problem of his with the Lakers was his offensive exes and O's weren't very good. And thankfully he has obtained, I would say a top two offensive coordinator mind in the NBA with Kevin Young, who a couple of weeks before they signed him on, I was saying like, Hey, this guy either should be a head coach or if not, he should be elite assisted paid like a head coach. Cause he's that good. And that's what they ended up doing. They, they have him paired with Vogel. They're paying Kevin Young, like a head coach, just about he's the highest paid assistant in the, in the NBA. And he has orchestrated just some phenomenal offenses and just like a machine of an offense a couple seasons ago. Uh, Last year, I think Monty kind of took the keys away from him a little bit. And after they traded for KD, they really dumbed things down and it came as a detriment to them. Like the Lakers made trades and then they took their lumps while everybody was learning the the roster or learning the playbook. And they weren't as good for the first couple games because of that. But then long term, they knew the playbook. 
with Phoenix, they traded for KD and then just kept everything at a lower level and then never brought it back up. And I think that hurt them big picture. So Kevin Young's really good. He's legit. Um, the roster's legit. I I think this could be one of the best coached teams in the NBA, and they're going to be really, really good. So I would have them first. I am less worried about Denver. I don't trust their depth as much. And from a regular seating, season uh, seating standpoint, they're going to have more like injuries than they did last year. They were like incredibly lucky in terms of like they were able to be healthy pretty much the whole season. And I don't think that'll continue. Just odds are it won't. And I just, with their lack of depth, which does matter, it only doesn't matter when your top guys stay healthy all the time. I think from a seeding standpoint, the Lakers can get ahead of them. The Lakers have their own injury concerns, but have much, much better depth. And from my perspective, this is the most talented Lakers team I have analyzed. This is the best spacing Lakers team LeBron will have played on. And I think this could very well be the best Lakers team that I have analyzed. And so I think they'll be the two seed and head into the playoffs. Very, very dangerous. Uh, I would have Golden State, my fourth team behind Denver. And I think that's Ooh. a clear, for me, a clear top four in the West. Oh, interesting. Really? Oh, okay. So hold on. You say you put the Lakers at number four. No, no. I, I'm saying I'd go Phoenix, Lakers, Denver, oh. Golden State. Wow. Okay. Now but that how injuries go, how injuries go would be kind of how those things kind of swing. But I think this is a top four team in the West for sure. And I like them better than Golden State. I like them better than Denver. It's just a matter of how healthy they are. Uh, see, Tony, see the thing. Re- see now when Tim said he didn't want to go to two hours, makes me want to go to two hours because I would want to break down opening night with this guy because I'm wondering what he sees. Because what I see is. Denver, they're the same team. They just don't have – they're not the same team, but they just don't have Bruce. They don't have Bruce Brown anymore, and I think they lost another guy. Uh, but – oh, uh, Jeff Green. But other than that, I'm still like – I still feel that – I fear the Nuggets. I want to win, but I still – I fear the Nuggets still. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, and I think David Adelman, their offensive coordinator, he's – it's between him and, and Kevin Young are the, the top offensive minds in basketball right now to me. Uh, right. They, they're going to with – the, with how they use Jokic – they're going to be able to integrate new guys pretty seamlessly. And like, I think they'll be able to get more out of their depth pieces than a lot of people are anticipating just because they're newer or at least newer for Denver. But I still think like this team, this Lakers team last year played them almost even and mm-hmm. somehow got swept in the closest sweep ever, but or second closest sweep ever, whatever it was. And this Lakers team got better. And I think Denver got worse. So ah, I think that, okay. and then I don't, you know, Jamal Murray shot like the best player ever in the playoffs. I don't think that's going to continue. Like right. he's really good. He's not that good. Um, <laughs> and I also think the Lakers will have learned from like, if they did any sort of reflection on, Hey, what worked and what didn't work in the playoffs against Denver and what would we do moving forward? I think they should be able to in a future game or series against them, start with the right answers instead of like dicking around for two or three games to find the right answers. Ah, uh, see, so that was my question to Tim. I was always wanted to ask you on Twitter about that. So they did use a couple of those games to experiment. They did. Yeah. I, like in game oh, one, wow. they tried to play Jokic straight up, which was a bad idea. Um, I, 
they're like entire i'll have to go find the recordings or something but like i did entire freaking powerpoint presentations pre-game <laughs> pre-game shows of like here's how you defend denver uh here's you know how not to defend Jokic. here's how to defend Jokic. here's what the lakers could do putting Rui on Jokic with ad lurking uh was like one of those top recommendations and when they did it it worked for like nine quarters in a row or six or i think seven quarters in a row denver didn't mm-hmm. have an answer to it uh and LA just wasn't able to capitalize on offense during that time to like win any games, but they had, they had the tactical advantage for a decent period of time. Uh, and then defending like Murray pick and rolls was frustrating for me as well. And he just, he hit everything. Uh, so that kind of masked some of it also, but this is a team that now can hedge and do things that hurt Denver. So I don't know, this is just a much better team and a team that should match up better with Denver. And they've hopefully learned their lessons. So I, I like the Lakers in that matchup. I don't know if they're going to win like game one of the season, especially with them like installing a new defense, new pieces and all that. I would expect Denver to actually win that game. But in a playoff matchup, both teams healthy. I like the Lakers. Correct. Tony, Tony, you, yeah. Uh, go ahead and ask the next question. Cause I could be on this. I could be picking Tim's brain for like four hours, bro. Like, no, yeah. no. Uh, hey, well, that just means that at some point when the season comes down or if it comes down or if there is a time, then, We'll 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 ask him if he if he wants to be part of this podcast again. I'm happy to be back. Pod spaces. <laughs> you, you just let me know. I'm always happy to talk hoops. Oh, oh yeah, no, I just got one. I'm gonna have I'm gonna ask him one question before we end the podcast. But keep going, Tony. I know we got a no, dinner. no, yeah, yeah. Um, but I I did have a question though. So okay, so here's here's the thing that about about Denver, and you tell me if I'm off base here. I'm. Curious to figure out how does Taze and Christian kind of mix here? Like, how how does it? Because again, we haven't seen it, so we're probably not. Like, what's the ideal rotation here against Denver? Like, op- like opening night. What's the what's the? Do do we see Hayes? Do we not see that? Because we've seen that in preseason that combo between Hayes. Christian Wood, uh, we've seen like Hayes AD, Christian Wood AD. Do we see that for the for Denver, or was that just like exhibition test run kind of fi- figuring out like what would be the ideal game plan against Denver? I would certainly. Li- I mean, I don't have like a rotation map put together, though. I I, I will in the future. I know, yeah, but big picture, I do like the idea of like you can play wood and 80 together and you're fine from a spacing standpoint you i don't feel as good about playing 80 and Hayes together unless 80s three-point shooting is legit which i'm still very skeptical on he's done this in preseason before where he shoots he shot 80 percent from three one preseason he shot 50 percent, 40 percent preseason such a small sample it doesn't matter um so i'm not bought in yet he said he hasn't changed the form the form on film doesn't look changed so i am expecting it to be about as good as it was last year and the other years so I don't think AD Hayes makes a ton of sense, but AD Rui or AD Wood or Wood Hayes. And in any of those matchups or any of those duos, I like having, you know, my better rim protector, shot blocker guy, whether that's AD or uh, Hayes, off ball lurking with Wood or Rui just being on Jokic and being a body. You don't want to defend Jokic 1v1. There is no Jokic stopper, post defense is team defense. And that's how I would align because if you're going to send help 
whether it's in a ball screen or a post-up, and you've got two on the ball and the offense has a 4v3 off the ball, I want Anthony Davis, instead of being one of the two guys guarding Jokic in a double team, I want him being one of the guys erasing the numbers advantage off the ball. And I think the addition of Christian Wood allows the Lakers to have that additional size, have a bigger body that can do what Rui did, and you still send help, of course, and allow AD to stay off ball while on the offensive end still keep some great spacing. So I think that mm-hmm. from a, like, how do we defend Jokic standpoint, I still see those things being the smartest. Uh, if you're going to send help other than that, what you could easily do is, or so there are three things you want to, I'm, I'm getting flashbacks from a couple months ago. If you're going to send help on Jokic, you want three things to be true. It needs to be fast. If you just like let him take his time, they will dice you up. So you need to send it fast. It needs to be aggressive. And you need to make sure that like you feel good on the weak side. And if you're going to give the offense an advantage, I want it to be on the weak side. I want them to have to make a skip pass that's on, on time, on target. So I would be sending a double team from the guy who made the entry pass on the strong side and then bump a defender, the next perimeter defender over from the weak side over to take away Murray or whoever made that entry pass. So you've got two on Jokic. It's a real double team. It's not just like another guy who's in the area. Um, you're in his face. You've taken away the immediate bounce, you know, the, the immediate kick out. And he needs to make a skip pass to the other side of the court. And that's where I've got AD or Jackson Hayes there ready to like pick off a pass or block a shot from a cutter or something like that. Gotcha. See, uh, this is now, bro. I told you, bro. I I told you. Now, now I really like, bro. I really want to see this game now. Like I I, can do this forever, man. (laughs) And and I tracked, I I tracked every Jokic post up in the playoffs and what every team did. And this was the most effective way of doing it. And the aggravating, aggravating thing is the Lakers in the playoffs used that and they used the Rui thing with AD lurking in that series Mm. and they both worked and they just didn't use them enough like they had the right answers they didn't find them quickly enough and they didn't stick with them consistently enough and that's going to haunt me and it should haunt them and hopefully they learn from it as a result yeah I mean I I expect a a spanking well it wasn't a spanking but I mean it was it was traumatizing enough. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and I'll be honest, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like, sometimes I I wake up at night and I see that that uh, he's Serbian, right? Like that that Serbian mm-hmm. yep. beast, mm-hmm. just one legged three point shot with AD defending him, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Ooh. But anyway, um, let's let's proceed with the with the next question, and then KB has has his own. We're we're almost ra- wrapping up here, um, but sure. Just um, and let's start with Tim on on this one. Lakers record after ten games, and by the way, I posted right there the ten games that we have going on. I did not, I don't have in front of me if they're home games, road games, but just curious enough for after the, these ten games. Again, if you take a look, we see Denver, Phoenix, Sacramento, Orlando. Clippers, Orlando, Miami, Houston, Phoenix again, and then Portland. We started last season two and ten. What's this season gonna look like, Tim? Seven and three. I think you take care of business against Orlando twice, against uh, Houston, against Portland. That's four ones that I feel good about. The Clippers. That's five, and then Denver. Phoenix twice, Sacramento, Miami. Actually, I feel pretty good about Miami, but 
Denver, Phoenix, Phoenix, and Sacramento. So it's Phoenix twice. Between those games, I think you're going to drop a couple. And I, to my earlier point, I think the defense is going to take some time to get to like fully operational battle station level. And if we start the season 0-2, uh, I'm not going to be like freaking out about that because I, I think that's kind of what I'm expecting. Like start 0-2, end up finishing the first 10 games like 7-3 and or maybe 6-4 and is what my expectation is. And if they go like five and five or worse, I will be worried. If they go eight and two or better, I will be very pleasantly surprised. And that would indicate to us that the defense is ahead of schedule. Uh, because I didn't say it, and KB, you go after me because I am, I am hyped. I'm optimistic. The depressive ah. tone, the the mojito is hey is, is ready for the celebrations not the depression so it's extra am, spicy that mojito is yeah. extra spicy bro go. i'm not gonna lie yeah why not bro ten, 10 and 0 i bro i'll say it <laughs> 10 and 0 <laughs> i'll say no, it i'll say no. it i'll say hey yo i know it, it's it's really <laughs> optimistic i'll probably lean to what tim if you're a betting man lean to what tim just said if you're <laughs> on the alcoholic side just just lean to what i said but oh, KB, man, man, what's what's your what's your take, man? Well, it's funny because that was going to be my actual question to Tim, so that kind of even this question segues into it. So I say I th- I was right there with him. I said either we go six and four, seven and three. Um, I would love for it to be eight and two, but uh, seven and three is probably where I'm basing where I'm at. I was just gonna ask Tim, like, uh, and did Tony? You're, yeah, it's I'm pretty sure you're already winning it as well. I was gonna ask him. We get to a um a hot start, like on, like just go on, on the ground running start since we have uh, continuity and we're bringing mostly all of our players back. I was just wondering if you thought that was going to be the case, but you already answered it by saying seven to three, I think, because I honestly think we're going to get our get back against the Clippers. I want that get back really bad because I'm just tired of hearing them. So that's just me though. Yep. Yeah, I think it's it depends on how you look at it. Like, I think they could very well go zero and two to start, which would not be hot, but then seven and three in the first ten, which would be hot. So I guess it depends on the frame of mind. I'm sure every win and every loss will mean that we're, you know, the season's over or we're winning the title as, as fans like to say uh, and react to. So I'll try to stay grounded, but uh, I, I do think this schedule lines up pretty well for LA to, to open things up. Uh, it, it is just tough to go Dean, uh, Denver Phoenix, the first two and Sacramento is a, a damn good team as well. We'll have to see for Phoenix who's available. If anyone's injured, uh, I think they've, you know, they've had a couple guys out, but they may just be little things or precautionary. So we'll see. But I, I do think that, you know, you're certainly not going two and 10 or two and eight or two and 11 or whatever the, the team started out last year. But part of that as well was they played better than it, but their shooting luck was just horrendous. So if you have that again, you can definitely go four and six against these 10 games. If like you just can't make a three to save your life. Gotcha. Tony, it's on you, man. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, my my realistic take is probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up to be like five and five, just because like, maybe we get it, again like, it's not, it's not that I'm worried about LeBron. It's just, he takes time to kind of ramp up. He's he's gonna take his time. Um, do we have enough depth? I think we do. Um, but it's. I'm not, for some reason, I don't trust the three-point shooting in this team. Mm. Like, just to be fair. Uh, and and maybe that's a wild take. Tim, you tell me later, but 
um, just if if you think about it, like true three point sh- shots, like shooters or volume shooters, you could say is Delo, Gabe, uh, Prince, pr- uh, Prince to a certain point. I think I think he wants to be. Uh, he, he he said immediately that he wants to be forty percent, and then Austin Reeves. But at the same time, like, does AD's three point shot real? Because they're gonna dare him. They're they're gonna be like, yo, you take that shot all day, all along. Like we're we're content with that. So does he take it or does he does he do like the the three dribble try to try 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 to pull the midi? I don't know. But there is something about this team that kind of worries me about the three point shot. Like it's it's more of this. I'll when I'll see it, I'll believe it. Does that make sense? And yeah, I'm I'm there, but. Yeah, uh, I'm, and by the way, even if 10 games passes and we're below 500, or I hope not, but I'm still optimistic on the team because anything can happen. Anything can absolutely happen, and uh, it's not uh, it's not a good omen, but it's not a uh, season's toast kind of thing because I feel like fans do love to say that. Like Again, this West is loaded i don't i don't see like even even when we say houston it's not like it's a gimme game they're not a tanking team uh portland Mm -hmm. they're a young team we should win there but again they're young they have they have positional size they they have scoot they have deandre aiden i'm not like i'm they're not scrubs they're not like oh these like g-leaguers they're a solid squad. Or Orlando as well. Like, I'm just saying, these teams are teams. Like, they're, they're, they're like, the level of, of talent that they have, I feel like we should win, but it won't be gimmies. Like, there's no such thing as that. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. There's no, there's yeah, no, there last no year's games in the NBA, especially with, like, yeah. it's the first week of the season, first two weeks of the season. Later in the year, when teams are realizing they're out of it and they are tanking, it'll be different. But, Everybody's trying. Everybody has hope right now. And those teams are going to give you their best shot. Exactly. So I'm, I'm with you. They're, they're not like if the team does worse than seven and three, like I will be disappointed, but it doesn't mean it's like the end of the world. It'll be all right. Well, why, why did that happen? Did we just not shoot well, but we got good shots. Did we not shoot well and we didn't get good shots? Was the defense a mess? Like, does LeBron not look healthy? Like what, why? And then I think the nuance will help dictate how we respond to it, but it's a long season. The fact that the West is so deep means that like, you don't have time to screw around for 30 or 40 games and then try to figure it out. If you want to, like you can end up the season in in good form, but you want the standings to be in a good spot too. You do not want to have to be fighting to stay out of the play-in and you would love to be able to have as much home court advantage in the playoffs as possible. So getting right as quickly as you can and being as healthy as you can, all that stuff matters because you want to have the easier matchups come playoff time and then, you know, try to peak at the right moment instead of having to like claw and fight for everything just to get into, you know, the playoffs and get through a round or two like we saw with the past couple seasons of this team. Yeah. And that's, that's actually like what, what's curious. Like that's, that's in, in essence, what, what a championship team is like you you operate in a like 
especially this team where you have an older LeBron, like a 39-year-old LeBron, you have a, a an injury-prone AAD. To a certain point, you want to be positioned in the seedings where you can, like, like hey, you need a, three games. Five, because that's what Denver did last season. They were so up there that they're like, yo, let's play horrid. Like, they sat mm-hmm. Jokic a good portion. They sat Murray as well. Like, they... They he lost the MVP because of it, because exactly. they were they were coasting. And it, when you're a team that your goal is the title and you've positioned yourself well, that's stuff that you can afford to do and to keep your guys Correct. healthy and rested and and ready to go for the games that matter. And you know how quick you start can help make it so that you can take those games off. And we could see Jalen Hutchinson in game game seventy eight out there running the show with, with some other guys and Bro. and Delos out there, you know with his feet up and, and some popcorn. Yo, hey, KB, do, do, do you know about that bet? Which bet? There is a bet. And, and hey, it's on, it's on Twitter. <laughs> it's, it's certified by, by Zen. Um, and Zen <laughs> is, 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 is rebel. He is, um, he's, he's another PPGM brother. Um, but here's, here's, he, he bet he hates, but, but, but by the way, we're, we're going to segue to this, uh, topic because we kind of like to, to end it here, but um, he, <laughs> he hates anime. Like anime, like anything that's oh, a cartoon, that, that. he mm-hmm. hates it. He hates it. Yep. So I yep. told him, hey, like, yo, if Jalen Huchofino scores 10 points in a regular season game, you have to wa- watch one series of my choosing. And he said, okay. And, I, you're and I'm just that I, hey, you're gonna and, win that bet. It's a long season. Hey, yeah. I know it's 82 games. Like yep. it's gonna it's happen. It's just gonna yeah. happen. Like yeah. I, I, I'm just waiting for that like 30 point blowout and JHS is scoring 10 points. Like that's a, that's the only thing that needs to be done and sealed. So yes, that is the bet that I have. And by the way, what I'm watching is actually an anime series, and it's actually on. Um, it's actually on Netflix. I forgot the name of it. It's pretty dark. Uh, kind of fits huh. the timeline of where we are right now, which is October, ha- ha- Halloween approaching. But yeah, it's um, I'm, I'm watching one of those series. Uh, for some reason, I'm in a anime kind of crunch. But um, KB, uh, what's what are you watching, my friend? Is is it Love Is Blind or did you finish? <laughs> I finished Love Is Blind. Um, was watching that with the misses. Um, I am actually watching uh, Power, so I'm starting to do that over again, um, starting season four already because we're getting close to these. I'm getting close to um, end of season three, uh, but yeah, that is what I'm watching right now. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it, I think you're pretty late on that, right? Power, I'm very late, super late, yeah. super yeah. duper late. If Zim was in here, he'd probably kick me off this recording for saying it. So yeah, he'll probably if if you see him in person, he'd probably slap you. Exactly. uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Tim, I know you're a busy, busy, busy person. And I know, like, I think I had a count or at least in my notifications, like I I actually have your account, like as, as an alert. And I think I have like 50 tweets of you in one day. Oh, shit, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) If I want to do that, that's great. Uh, But, you know, there will be days where I do tweet a lot. So. No, but I mean, it's not like tweeting like, like, oh, I am hungry. Oh. I love the Lakers. No, you're you're tweeting like paragraphs upon paragraphs and, and just data, which is great. So 
I'm just curious, man. Do you watch? Are, are you watching anything? TV shows, uh, movies, anything that 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 you're interested in? Yeah. So I finished watching Ahsoka, and I am now watching Wheel of Time, which I tried to get into a while back, and then it was too slow, and I like went away for it for like a year. And then I guess a new season came out recently and a bunch of people were saying it was good. So I gave it another try. And then like half an episode after I picked it back up, it immediately got really good. So I'm, I'm watching that. It's somewhat like game of thronesy. Uh, yeah. I don't know if either of you have seen it, but I'm enjoying that. And, I still haven't, uh, I still haven't, I, I've watched the first season and I, it was such a struggle to finish that first season that I'm like, mm. can I watch that second season and be, is it fulfilling or did you finish watching it or are you watching it right now i'm almost through i think i have like an episode and a half left i when i first started i i am often doing things on my laptop so i tried to multitask during it and that was a bad idea because this is like you know a new universe and all different terms and they didn't kind of spoon feed you all the stuff and so i got confused <laughs> pretty quickly i was like what the hell's going on um so i like went through reread the like episode synopses and i was like oh okay i get it now um and and yeah, I'm deep into season two. I'm almost at the end of it, uh, and I've I've enjoyed it. But you know, not for everyone. No, yeah. Uh, oh, the other yeah, that's a prime. That's that that's on Prime. And yes, yeah. I I'm probably gonna watch the the last season then. The the most recent season. I see in season two. I I see it here, and I'm probably gonna start watching that Gen V, which is the boys kind of like offshoot you need did you watch the boys first tony yes i did okay now i was like make sure you watch that before you watch jim Jim v i would imagine that it doesn't make sense if you don't watch the boys because it is part of the universe that they're trying to create so so yeah I'll, i'll i'll watch that but anyway um let's let's end it here um bro i appreciate tim KB, you you know, and everybody that's t- that's tuned in, I appreciate you guys for really spending the time. Like for the team that we love, the Lakers. Um, let's end it on, on on this note: Denver versus Lakers, opening night. Who's winning? KB. You know, I'm saying the Lakers. You know, I'm saying the Lakers. Bro, There's my, no way I'm giving for this my to tenor, Denver. No, it has to be the yep. Lakers. So, yeah, yeah, it's the Lakers. No way I'm giving this to Denver. Nope. nope. Of course. Uh, Tim. I, I have this one as a loss, but I want us to win, and I think it'll be competitive, <laughs> and I'd be thrilled if we did win. But I think, right. you know, new defensive scheme, integrating a lot of new guys, a couple of dudes banged up against the Denver team that is at home, raucous environment, ring night. MVP should have been three time in a row MVP and they're, you know, pretty much running back the same group. I think they should have the advantage, but that doesn't mean we can't win. So I'll be covering the game live uh, on playback and, and we'll be having fun with it and I'll be rooting for them. And I think we can win, but for me to get to my seven and three, I think that's one of the ones we do drop. Do you know that, uh, that I may have, a, I may have a proposal later. We'll talk because we are also in playback in, in, in PGM fan cave, but We'll talk later in offline, but for all those that are um, that are watching, just by the way, just shoot a follow. Um, you can find Tim uh, M- M- NBA Tim or uh, 
we'll put the whole <laughs> his his podcast and also the 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 playback links and his, his Twitter profile down in the description below. But I wanted to say appreciate you guys for tuning in and let's see Lakers season get excited regardless of if it's a win loss. We're going to have fun. And by the way, that is a very triggering statement to end this show, but let's end it there. Later, guys. Go Lakers. The cage, we raising all of the stakes. Make no mistake. Either you stay in your place or we put in you on a plate. Look at our face. We put the fear in the dirt.